Fellas, what up? Welcome to episode 12 of the 2018 edition of the MFHT cast. I am the commish. We have a ton to get to today. This one might be a bit long, so we're jumping right in. We are going to start with a touch of old business, um, following up on something that came up after last week's pod. So as you may remember, last week I talked about uh, Bartley's decision to start Mark Ingram over James Conner, which cost him dearly in the box score. Uh, Tyser had a hot take taking exception to that and you know, basically calling me out for treating Bartley with the kid gloves just because it was his birthday. So uh, I thought that in the interest of fairness, I would share Tyser's hot take with you about my analysis of Bartley's decision to bench, uh, bench James Conner, and we can you know, decide what we think about it from there. So here's what Tyser had to say. I vehemently disagree with the week nine analysis regarding Bartley sitting James Conner. I think you gave him a huge pass and instead should have given him a Foxy. Remember, the Foxy is the award for poor coaching choices. While the Steelers traditionally struggle on the road against their number one division rival, I think their passing game is usually more subject to risk. Ben's splits, as you mentioned, home versus away are ridiculous, and he historically struggles against Baltimore. Given that, I think it was more likely that the Steelers would try to establish the run or employ, or employ short yardage screen throws, which obviously has the best possibility of benefiting Joko. Plus, given Connor's performance thus far, he's borderline don't bench regardless of matchup category. He's not Todd Gurley or Kamara, but he's definitely in that next tier. Bartley and I talked about this, and I know the strategy he was trying to employ, but I think it was a poor coaching move and should be called out accordingly. Something a 39-year-old would do. Well, personally, guys, I'm convinced. Retroactive Foxy to Bartley uh, for his week nine benching of James Conner and Tyser. Thanks for the hot take. So with that in mind, I'm just going to set up for the rest of the, uh, the pod today. Feel free to call me out on my bullshit. I mean, I'm just spewing off the top of my head here. A few notes, but you know, this is mostly just off the top of my head and clearly given my record, uh, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing or talking about. So, you know, if you hear something that doesn't make sense to you, if you think I go too easy on someone, if you think I'm too hard on your team, feel free to fire me a hot take and I'll be happy to read it on the next pod. So moving on, uh, we're going to get into our week 10 review in just a minute, but have to get to a few things first. Uh, First off, big week for our our league this week. A uh, bunch of guys were able to get together. It was a lot of fun to see everybody. Um, thank you to Bettis for pulling us together at the home base pharmacy. Shame that it didn't work out. What with their non functional TVs and you know the the smell of bleach permeating the place, like they were trying to cover up for a dead body or something like that. I will note. I think the pharmacy is a great place for raspy. Uh, questionable for football viewing on a Sunday morning. So we ended up at Silver Dollar across the street with a million TVs and nobody in there. That was kind of weird and creepy. And I think, you know, we learned our lesson, guys, that veering from the norm of just going to Claudia's or possibly Hanko's if we want to stay on the west side. I mean, let's let's stay in our lane here next time. But great to see everybody. Next up, have to revisit the 40-yard dash that took place in the middle of Gleason Street at halftime of the morning games. So we had three participants. Tyser took it down with a score of 5-8-5, fleet of foot. In second place was Thacker, shortly after Tyser. Bettis finished in a distant third, um, maybe only made it about 20 yards. I will say I thought just from the naked eye, real-time standpoint, Bettis probably was out in front with the best 10-yard split. It's very dangerous over short distances. Um Tim with the DNP. So hopefully next time around we can get a 
get a full slate of guys in there and see if Tyser can uh, can back himself up and, and take this thing down again. We'll note on the 585, it was uphill, and it's also possible, in fact, likely, I would say, that the distance was anywhere between, say, 32 and 58 yards. I mean, it was, it was this was definitely not 40 yards on the nose. Somewhere in the somewhere in the vicinity, though. All right. Next up, this was the first week this year that we had a side league. We've had side leagues before. Did this a few times last year with a handful of guys. This time we had eight of our 12 guys in our league jump in the DK side league. So that's the biggest side league that we've had. A lot of fun. Taken down with 150.7 points by one Jeff Service. Uh, made a couple really sharp plays here that that I want to note. Um, he was the only guy in our side league to play Melvin Gordon. I think if you did not play Todd Girdley, Melvin Gordon was was clearly the next best high-end running back. He played Gordon and Kareem Hunt together, which meant that he had to spend down at wide receiver. Um, didn't get anything out of Taylor Gabriel, which I thought was a little bit unlucky given that they did go deep to Gabriel twice in that game, including once in the end zone. Got a little bit unlucky with Cooper Cup going down with the injury. On the flip side, though, got majorly lucky with Eric Ebron and his three touchdowns. Totally ridiculous. Um, crazy efficient. Uh, Ebron ran 21 pass routes the entire game, or I think maybe it was he was in on 21 snaps the entire game, um, which is very few. Saw three targets, two of which went for a touchdown, and got a handoff that went for a touchdown. So just ridiculous efficiency on very limited opportunity. Um, worked out really well for service. He made a play that nobody else in the side league made that I thought was great, plugging in Aaron Jones at 5K. Aaron Jones went off in a big way in a great matchup at home against Miami. Um, and this this one had seemed like it was a long time coming. Thought that was a really great call by service, 35 points. And that was, I think, the difference maker for him. In second place, so service paid out, first place paid out 25 bucks uh, on the $5 buy-in. Uh, second place went to nuts at uh, $10.80 on the $5 buy-in. Also played Kareem Hunt, paired him with Tyree Kill. We know the story with Tyreek at this point. He is a high-volatility player, um, you know, prone to scoring six or seven points. But if he pops off, prone to having a weak-winning score. This week came through with 35.7 DraftKings points. Nuts also played John Ross, uh, Bengals wide receiver at 3,900. I mean, if you had to spend down and save some money, not, you know, not a play I'm in love with. He did happen to catch a, a touchdown, Um Two balls, one of which went for a touchdown. I don't think John Ross is a very good football player, um, but he got in the box. Um, also on the roster for nuts was Michael Thomas um, at 25%. Just a Michael Thomas is so freaking good. Um, so nuts put up a score of 139, good enough for second place. I came in third. Thought I took a little bit of a bad beat here for a couple reasons. Um, one, Dion Lewis, I thought was price considered. Uh, maybe the best play on the whole slate. He got 20 carries and two targets, only put up 8.8 DraftKings points, um, did surrender a late carry inside the five to Derrick Henry, but really encouraging usage for him considering that they were up the entire game uh, on the Patriots. You know, you, you would think that the way that they were splitting carries earlier in the year, Deion Lewis was going to be their guy who – they'd play if they were behind or if it was a neutral situation. Derrick Henry would be the guy if they're playing um, if they're ahead. That's changed over the last few weeks. Uh, Deion Lewis has clearly taken over that backfield. So at 4,800, I felt really good about him. 
Next up, um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who was at 37%, so three of the eight of us played him. He was targeted seven times. So if you tell me Valdez-Scantling is going to get seven targets from Aaron Rodgers, I'll take that all day long. Uh, the issue is Aaron Rodgers only threw the ball 28 times. So it's a 25% market share, but just not enough volume. And they somehow kept him in check. I'm not sure he, what happened there, but he's been more of a downfield threat. But he caught six balls, but only for 44 yards. So they didn't use him in that downfield capacity. He didn't have anything pop, didn't get in the end zone. So kind of a disappointing day for him. But I still feel good about that play. And then the last one is Josh Gordon. I'm the only one to play Josh Gordon in the side league. Obviously, you have him in the main league, too. Um, he came through with four receptions for 81 yards. He got 12 targets and led the entire league in air yards on the week with 190. So if you're going to tell me that Brady's number one receiver is going to get 12 targets and 190 air yards, I will take that all day long. Obviously, Gordon is going to be, you know, kind of a high variance play, um, just given the nature of the routes that he runs, given the nature of the fact that, you know, he's still only a few weeks, you know, months, six weeks, whatever it is into that offense and playing with Tom Brady. So there's going to be some miscues here and there, but a 33% catch rate is ridiculously low for a receiver of his talent. And, and certainly at the low, low, low end of his range of outcomes um, on that kind of volume. So, you know, disappointing day there, but um, overall, you know, when I kind of dug back into the numbers on those three guys, I actually, you know, still feel good that those are good plays. So felt like I could have had a chance to compete with service, but didn't quite hang in there as it is great win for service. We are going to do this again. So not quite sure when, probably not this week. Maybe we'll do it Thanksgiving week and do like the Thursday to Monday slate. If people are interested, the cool thing is, is that now we're set up so that the league will automatically resize. So in the past, if you invited guys into the league and even one of them didn't end up setting their roster or buying in, it would just scuttle the whole league for everybody. Now, the way that it's set up is you invite guys into the league, who's ever in is in, whoever doesn't want to be in doesn't have to play that week. And whoever does, you know, we play and have a good time. So, you know, definitely want to do this again, um, at least a couple more times this year. It was a lot of fun. Um, one thing that I will say that I thought was really interesting is one of the one of the knocks on this type of fantasy football where it's you're using the salary cap is people say, well, won't won't everybody just have all the same guys? And we had a lot of, of variation in our rosters. I think Kareem Hunt was the most owned player at 50%. So four of the eight teams had him. We had a couple players, uh, Todd Gurley and Valdez Scantling at 37%. So three of us had those guys. Um, but a lot of players where, you know, we're at 12.5%, which meant that they, they were only on one of the eight rosters. So really interesting how that played out and, and just a lot of fun. So definitely want to do that again. All right, let's move on to our main league week 10 review. Last, well, before I get there, last thing I'll say, for those of you guys that did not play in the DK side league, if you want to get in and want to be invited in when we play in the future, just let me know. Happy to get you in. It's super easy. We play for five bucks at a time, five bucks a week. Anytime we play, um, it's not quite winner take all. It's you know winner take most. Um, you know where we'll build in something for second place uh, as well, and everybody else finishes out of the money. So um, leave it at that for now. All right, moving on to week ten action in our main league. First up, Tim took me down one seventy four to one twenty one. He got eighty five points from Melvin Gordon the third. 
David F. and Johnson and Saquon Barkley. So that was what I talked about a few weeks ago with this really strong running back foundation um, with the new offensive coaching staff in, uh, in, in Arizona where they're finally you know, using David Johnson appropriately. He was in a great matchup last week. He's in a great matchup again this week. Not sure what he looks like down the stretch. Um, but you know, if, if he produces in the way that we anticipated that he would at the outset of the season, that combination of running backs is going to be really tough to compete with on a week in week out basis. Tim also, you know, lucked into, I think a ridiculous 30 burger from, from Ebron kind of already talked about that, the, the efficiency on the low opportunity. Bartley and I were talking about how Eric Ebron is on the all fuck this guy team uh, for fantasy. So we've got Ebron locked in at tight end. We've got Tevin Coleman at one of the running back spots and we are taking nominations for the other roster spots for, for that team. So I'm looking for you guys to help me out uh, filling that roster out Um, on my side, you know, nothing to speak of. Uh, My team is, is uh, such a disappointment to me. Uh, I guess I will note, Finally got some production out of Leonard Fournette four weeks later. So, you know, yay for the moral victory there. Moving on, Tyser takes down Colmer 147 to 85. We'll note that this is the second week in a row that Colmer's team has failed to break 100 points. He appears to be fading a bit down the stretch. Uh, Tyser got another really monster performance from Big Ben in that Thursday night game. I mean, it's almost a week ago now, but man, did they hang a number on Carolina. And also got a huge performance from Zeke on Sunday Night Football in a tough matchup against Philly, 41 points from Zeke. Uh, You know, this is one of those spots where matchup may not matter all that much. Um, Dallas's offensive line is good. We know they want to run the ball. We know they want to run their offense through Zeke. So 41 points for him. And then bonus for Tice, and interestingly, I think, because we talked about this last week, 13 points from Amari Cooper. So we talked about how it's unlikely that both of those guys pop off in the same week. And there will be weeks when one pops, one doesn't, um, where they both kind of have solid but not great scores, and weeks where one guy pops off and the other guy disappoints. Well, this week, Tice Scott, one guy popping off and one, by, and one guy posting a solid score. So I think if, if those two guys are going to combine for 54 points, Tice is going to take that 100% of the time. Um, obviously, that's the high end of the range of outcomes there for, for Zeke. But, you know, I think even if you get, you know, 25 points from Zeke and 13 to 15 from Amari, you know, you're feeling really good about that or, or vice versa, which I think is also possible. Um, so, again, think this think this move of, of Amari Cooper to the Cowboys is is a net positive for Tice uh, as opposed to having him languish on that dysfunctional Raiders team. Bettis over Bartley, 176 to 153. Bartley got an insane 40 points from Zach Ertz. Mark Ingram broke out for 28, but he also got a disappointing 16.8 points from James Conner. So, you know, if you're going to tell me that that the Steelers are going to put up 52 points at home and run away with the game, um, I'm going to tell you that James Conner is going to be looking at 25 to 30 fantasy points. He got hurt um, at least once during that game. I think he, you know, got a concussion at some point and had to come out of the game. So just didn't get, quite get the production there that you would expect in a game with that, uh, with that box score. Bettis got a monster 45.25 points from Mitch Trubisky in his best game as a pro, 350 yards passing, three your, uh, three passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Bettis paired him with Taylor Gabriel, which I liked going into the week. Um, 
Gabriel put up a zero. He did get two deep looks, as I mentioned earlier. He did not get the schemed looks like the shovel passes and the screen passes that he'd been getting early in the season. And, and I think that was mostly game plan specific. I think the Bears realized that with Darius Slay out, they could easily attack the Lions' pass defense on the outside with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, and that's what they did. I would expect Taylor Gabriel to bounce back in weeks down the stretch. Maybe not this week against a, a really tough Vikings defense, but um, certainly, you know, he's going to continue to be in the mix for the Bears. It's just tough to tough to predict where the ball is going to go in that offense right now because they, they're kind of that classic Andy Reid model of, you know, spread the wealth a little bit there. But if you were to say going into the week that you're going to get 45 combined points from Trubisky and Taylor Gabriel, you know, you're going to take that. He also got 29 from Todd Gurley, ho-hum, just a day at the office, 25 from Julio, and 38.7 in our league from Aaron Jones on that monster game that we talked about a few minutes ago, home against the Dolphins. And good on the Packers for finally realizing that Aaron Jones is their best running back. And, uh, you know, we talk about Tim's stable of running backs uh, from time to time, but Bettis also has a, a really nice stable of running backs when you talk about Gurley. James White, um, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, if he's healthy. I mean, that gives Bettis a lot of options and, and, a, and a really nice solid floor and foundation to work from there. Next up, we got Rob over Darren. This is not a typo. 154 to 54. Yes, a 100 point margin in our league for the first time, I think, ever. I mean, this is, it, it's at least the first time I can remember somebody winning by 100 points. Somebody else helped me out here who's been around a while. Um, Darren got four zeros in his roster, which I think is also the first time we've seen that. He got no catches from Mike Williams, no catches from Chris Hogan, and then Latavius Murray and, and of course, Dalvin Cook um, not playing, uh, racking up their typical zero points. Uh, Rob got big games from Ty Freak, big game from Drew Brees, who is having you know an all-pro caliber season, and um, Christian McCaffrey, who is still scoring – out there in garbage time on that uh, Thursday night game. So this is what was so weird about that game is um, James Conner on the winning side of a team that blows out, you know, the other team 52 to 20 or something like that doesn't have a huge fantasy game. Christian McCaffrey uh, on the losing end of that does end up having a big fantasy game. Part of that is his role in the passing game. But part of that is, is they, you know, stubbornly kept him in when they were down 50 to 14 late in that game or something ridiculous like that. I mean, I thought that was really poor coaching by the, by the Panthers, but certainly paid off for Rob last up, maybe not last up second, to last Vato's over service, 153 to 143 in a close game service has been putting up some big numbers, but not getting the wins uh, in recent weeks. He was solid up and down. I know one decision he made late was, to stick with carry on Johnson over Allen Robinson. We were talking about that on the way into the pharmacy. Um, Allen Robinson did outscore carry on Johnson by about eight points, but had service made the switch, it would not have uh, not quite have gotten there against the Vatos. Um, Vatos got 26.9 points from Brandon cooks, got a little lucky. Otherwise at wide receiver, I thought, um, Devonte Adams and Juju Smith Schuster combined for only seven receptions. But three of those went for touchdowns. Um, you can't expect that kind of efficiency week in, week out. And um, something that I would be, you know, obviously those are two really talented guys. Um, but that would be something I would be a little bit concerned about if I were the Vatos. And one thing I will say, to the Vatos credit, they were able to squeeze a usable stat line out of Doug Martin's corpse. Got 12 points from him. 17 from the Steelers' defense. 
we need to talk about that Cam Newton pick six early on in that game where he was getting uh, chased in the end zone and just sort of, you know, Nathan Peterman-esque blindly throws the ball right into the middle of the field. Steelers catch it and just walk into the end zone. That was the worst throw I've seen a quarterback make all year. And you guys know I like to follow some of the fantasy analysts on Twitter and, you know, read a lot about, you know, fantasy results and whatever. Um, I think Cam Newton gets treated with the kid gloves a little much for my liking. I mean, I felt like if that was a different quarterback that had made that throw, uh, you know, kind of a more marginal starter or whatever, people would have been hammering that throw. And as it was, he kind of got a pass on it. And, and I think it's because, you know, Cam is from a fantasy standpoint, probably a better quarterback than he is in real life. You know, his rushing floor boosts his fantasy production so much that I think, um, you know, some of the analysts in the industry kind of overlook the mistakes that he makes and, and the inaccuracy. And just, I mean, that was just a, that was a horrible throw and a horrible decision for a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, if Nick Mullins were to make that throw, we wouldn't be surprised. If Nathan Peterman were to make that throw, we wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, a guy who's been in the league as long as Cam has should never, ever make that throw. So super disappointing, but uh, worked out well for the Vatos. All right, last up, Eric over Barsotti, 152 to 114. Huge day from Nick Chubb, 42.9 points, uh, boosted by that 92. Two-yard touchdown run, I think, that he had. Uh, Michael Thomas had another big game. Got a nice game from Baker, 26 points. I talked last week about how I wasn't sure about Baker going in. You know, that that Browns offense just makes me a little bit nervous. Um, but they have come together uh, in under their new offensive coordinator. And, and I am, you know, bullish on Baker long-term, depending on what they do from a coaching standpoint. I think with the right coaching and the right um, environment, he could be a really, really – successful NFL quarterback and, and certainly is a lot of fun to watch. Um, love his swag out there. He's, he's, he'll be fun. Hopefully it works out for him. Um, Barsotti, a lot of single digits, 10 points combined from his wide receivers, you know, big game from Alvin Kamara, but uh, that's just not going to get it done. All right. Before we move on to week 11, I want to talk a little bit about playoff scenarios because we're getting down to the last few weeks of our regular season. So as a reminder, our playoffs, um, set up as we take the top six teams, top two teams get a bye. Our playoffs are three weeks long, weeks 14, 15, and 16, which means that we only have three more weeks of our regular season, mercifully, for me. Um, so this is the time of year when we start looking at playoff scenarios. I also know that this is the time of year to start looking at playoff scenarios because this is right around the time when dudes start complaining about the disparity between their total points, their points against, and their win-loss record. And in the last week, no less than three guys in our league, I won't name names, but you know who you are, have approached me um, with thoughts about their, the total points they've scored and their win-loss record and the disparity that exists between the two. And you know, part of my job as commissioner is to let everybody know that, hey, man, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to shake out. It's, you know, No worries. Um, keep people happy, all right? So... With that, let's get into our playoff scenarios. Up at the top of the league, we've got Bettis and Tice. Two losses each. Not official yet, but they are going to go to the playoffs. Um, they have a nice two-game lead on the field. They are in, both in good shape to land the coveted first-round bye. Next up, we have four guys. Eric, Rob, the Vatos, and Colmer, all at 6-4. and four. Um, 
of this group, I like Eric and Rob to get in the most. Eric um, has the most points in the league with 1550. Rob has the third most with 1462. And remember, even though we are basing our playoff uh, seeding on uh, record first, those total points do become the tiebreaker when guys end up having the same record. And and as we know, inevitably, guys will end up having some, uh, the same record, at least you know two or three. Two or three of the players will end up with the same record. Um, I think Colmer is going to have an uphill battle to get into the playoffs. He has a really tough matchup this week that I'll talk about in a few minutes. And he has the lowest point, point total of this group of guys at six and four. So I think he's going to have to scratch and claw a little bit if he's going to make it. The Vatos um, are a bit of a wild card for me here. Um, the the running back situation on, on their side is pretty brutal. Um, you know, guys like Doug Martin, Ido Smith, um, just tough to win consistently without production at the running back spot. And they also have fewer total points than Eric and Rob, as well as a couple of guys below them in the standings. So they're going to need to keep booking wins over the next few weeks um, to get into the playoffs. So I think the Vatos are going to have to go uh, a, a solid two and one down the stretch. Um, if they go one and two, uh, I think it's over for them. Next up at five and five, we have Bartley and Tim. And I like both of these guys' chances to make a run uh, over these next few weeks. Bartley has the second most points in the league at 1476. So, you know, if he puts together a good run and manages to go two and one down the stretch here, I think he's going to win on a tiebreaker. And, you know, I've talked a lot about Tim's running back situation and the strong foundation that that provides. I think he's well positioned now that he's on the back end of bye weeks with those guys now that he has Melvin Gordon back healthy to put together a really strong run down the stretch as well. So, you know, most of the action here when we, when we think about playoffs is going to come down to those six guys that I just talked about vying for four of the playoff spots. Um, Barsotti at four and six still has an outside shot, but he probably need to win out from here. And he would need to make up around 200 total points on the field over the course of the next three weeks. Um, not the likeliest scenario, but still certainly mathematically possible. And then at, at the you know bottom of the barrel here, we've got Darren, we've got myself, we've got Service. Um, you know, I have to tell you guys, I'm having a bit of an existential crisis here about the fact that you know I am behind in the standings to a guy who literally starts seven or eight players out of nine every single week. Like I can't, I can't seem to get past Darren, even though he's not fielding a full roster on any week. Um, pretty, pretty sad state of affairs for me and is really causing me to reassess uh, my, my priorities and life choices here. So that is what it is. Me and service and Darren, I think are playing out the string here, playing for pride. I am going to go down swinging. I'm going to give you guys nothing. If I can keep any one of you from, advancing into the playoffs and getting your grubby hands on what is rightfully my Panther. I will do everything I can in that regard. All right. Week 11. Going to bet on myself. Shockingly take myself over Barsotti in the upset Yahoo. I think in its uh, projections is way, way, way underselling the magic that happens when I roster Eli Manning. Good things happen when Eli Manning is on my roster. So like myself to have, uh, a much bigger game than what Yahoo is projecting me for. I think it's around 
115 or some bullshit like that. Next up, I like Tim over Colmer in, in a pretty big way. Uh, three of Colmer's four running backs are on by this week. His one running back that is not on by is Josh Adams on the Eagles in a timeshare, playing against one of the best run defenses in the league in New Orleans. Um, guessing that it's pretty slim pickings on the waiver wire right now at the running back spot. So I think Colmer is pretty well screwed in this spot. I uh, like Bartley over Tice. I like his running back matchups for Kareem Hunt and James Conner. On Tice's side, I don't love his wide receiver matchups, and I think there's a chance that AB or excuse me, AP Adrian Peterson gets kind of scripted out of the game if Houston comes out to a lead, um, which I think is likely given that Washington has had a really tough time defending perimeter wide receivers this year. Uh, AP will get zero run whatsoever in that game. They'll just take him out completely. If if Chris Thompson is healthy, they'll play Chris Thompson. If Capri Bibbs is healthy, he'll be the guy. But they've shown so far this year that AP is not in the mix when they're playing from behind. Like Bettis over Darren, uh, Todd Gurley might score 100 points on his own this week against the Rams. I think Aaron Jones sets up, sets up well against Seattle on Thursday night football. You know, hopefully uh, Darren fields a full roster of guys this week. I think that is, you know, highly up in the air. Uh, I like service over Rob in the upset. I think Bob Woods catches some of the slack that will be in that offense from the Cooper Cup injury. Uh, they'll move him into the slot a little bit more and give him some of those targets. Uh, Rob has a lot going for him. I really like the Sterling Shepard call against the Bucks D. They've been the worst defense in the league against slot receivers this year. Um, so certainly wouldn't surprise me to see Rob come away with the win, but I've got a good feeling about service this week. Finally, I'm going to take Eric over the Vatos. Really like Manny Sanders. Really like how Deion Lewis sets up this week against Indy. Really like Chris Kelsey in what should be uh, a really high-scoring game, Chiefs versus Rams. Uh, on Thacker's side or the Vato side, you know, talked about the fact that I have some concerns about their running backs. Um, Cooks, Juju, and Devontae Adams, obviously all great wide receivers. Um, but, you know, volume is a concern, um, at least for Juju and Devontae. Um, Aaron Rodgers' passing volume has been way down, projects to be way down in a game against um, – uh, Seattle on Thursday night that that really limits opponents' opportunities to run plays. We saw this last week what they could do on limited opportunity, but you can't ride that forever. You know, ultimately, if you're going to be putting up big numbers with re your receivers, you need them to be getting eight, 10, 12 targets a game. And and you know, certainly that could happen for for either of those guys or for both of those guys, but um, doesn't seem to be happening you know, quite as much as it should be over these last, at least this last week. And we'll see what happens this coming week. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. A little long, little long today, but obviously a lot to get to. Um, again, hit me up with those hot takes. If you think I was dead wrong about anything, if you think I went too easy on somebody, if I forgot anything, happy to read any hot takes on future podcasts. i happy to take any feedback. Um, happy to be a, a shoulder to cry on and ear to listen to. Uh, if you're feeling salty about your, your win-loss record relative to total points scored. And definitely let me know if you want to get in on the side league on DK over Thanksgiving. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right. Cheers, guys.